Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. And if we are if we're wanting to call him Lord of our life, then what we do is we submit to His ways and His plans and His glory here tonight. So David's saying that the boundaries are a good thing. A bit like a fence line at a cliff face. Yeah? Again, who's those daredevils that love to be able to jump over the cliff face? Hendo would be one of those guys for sure. Let's get over that cliff face and let's, let's just, what's on the edge of the, over the edge of here? We're going to find ourselves in places where we actually uh, know that the, the boundary line is a beautiful thing for us to be able to know. All right, so if you're taking notes here tonight, we've got three sort of points or three thoughts. And I just want to give you those three thoughts for us here tonight so you know where we're going, so you can understand even in terms of your questions that you might want to ask tonight about what kind of style questions? What, what's basically the focus for here tonight? I want to start with, well, number one, singleness is a gift. I'm going to start with that sort of thought here tonight. Number two, I'm going to talk about um, singleness means celibacy. Okay? And some of you are like, what does celibacy even mean? Well, I'm going to give you a definition later on about all that. And then I want to thirdly talk about um, dating God's way. Okay? And we're probably going to touch on some thoughts here tonight, but then particularly some of the practicals that can come out of dating God's way. Um, and hear me loud and clear that there'll be certainly some wisdom and some advice given in, into that sort of space. Um, but particularly if you've got your parents here as well, and particularly if you're under 18 at, at the moment, then I want to make sure you're bouncing some of these thoughts off with your parents as well. I want to empower parents and empower grandparents here tonight that you are chiefly responsible for your children. And uh, just because they turn 17 or turn 18 doesn't mean you have a right to be able to speak into their life, okay? So I just want to empower our parents here tonight too. So um, number one, singleness is a gift. Paul says here that God gives the gift of the single life to some. It might be a slightly more lonely gift, but it is a gift all the same. Now notice this, Paul calls both marriage and singleness a gift, not just one, not just the other. He's not saying that one is better than the other. And so he's saying that they're both a gift. Both are a gift. And honestly, the way that you treat the season that you find yourselves in, and some of you who might be single right now saying, well, it's easy for you to say, Dan, you're married, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, the way that you treat your current season, and this could be for anything. This could be, hey, I'm very satisfied financially where I find myself. Although I'm, I'm wanting this next house or I'm wanting to be able to look a certain way. If I could only put on six kilos of muscle mass, then I'll be happy. And whatever season we find ourselves in, even Paul talks about this in, in, in Philippians, we've got to find ourselves content with where we are right now. We start longing for things that are outside the boundary lines. We find ourselves diving into pretty dangerous places. Can I say that here tonight, the goal of the single life isn't to be married. I want to say that citrus for a second. The goal of the single life isn't to be married. And again, with any kind of season that we find ourselves in, the goal is actually to be faithful, to be obedient, to serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind. And for many here tonight, that'll mean marriage is a part of your future. But can I tell you here tonight also that 
that for some, that might not necessarily be the case. My sister, who I love with all my heart, she's now 35. She's a legend. I just, I just, actually, she actually joked. I might actually, she said, I might even pop in somewhere and hide up the stairs somewhere and whatnot. But I've been talking a fair bit with her on this journey because. Um, we've been talking about this importance of just being able to speak into some of this sort of space. And, you know, yes, the church talks about marriage and we did that this morning. That was fantastic. That's good. But equally, it's good to talk about this sort of stuff as well. And she's like, this is sometimes not always addressed and talked about in, in, within church. And so she's actually been quite a, a good catalyst for me. And she doesn't know, she, she would love to be married one day. But she's also come to this place and she actually helped me with some of this sort of stuff where she says, hey, Dan, I've actually discovered this, the, 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 the power of being content, the power of not trying to force God's hand. I'm not fighting. I'm not forcing this particular season I find myself in right now. And I encourage particularly our younger guys here, but maybe again, this sort of is applicable. I had a great conversation with a lady this morning who said that um, this, this, this singleness conversation is not just important for those under 25. We now see ourselves in a place and time where, where there's close to 50% of marriages are now in divorce. And so singleness now is actually taking place in the context of those who were once married who are now longer, no, no longer married. And so this same principle, this same thought, this same teaching will apply to whether you're 25 or whether you're 65, the same principle actually is played out here. I encourage you, don't let people pressure you into you, pressure you guys into, well, are you married yet? <laughs> you are 26 now, Dan. Come on now, what's going on? Find yourself actually rejecting those kind of statements. It's actually not helpful for you. Now, often people will say them in jest, they'll say them in, in, bit of, you know, in, in a bit of a lightheartedness of nature, and it's not necessarily wrong. However, when you take on the pressure of feeling you have to be able to reach a certain status quo in order to find yourself in a place where you are reaching some sort of validity in your world, that becomes an unhealthy pressure that actually drives you to make poor decisions. And so brush off the, the pressure or the thoughts. And again, they come from good places. They come, come from the thoughts of, you know, well, I want grandkids one day, you know, all this kind of stuff. Be careful of those kind of statements the goal, again, is embracing every season that God has given you. Let me speak to a couple other things. I'm not a big fan of the statement, there is the one for you. Some of you guys are getting your notebook out and like ripping out pages right now. Oh, all those lists I made about all those perfect men out there and so forth. I think they're dangerous. I'm much more of a fan of the fact that two people make daily choices to love and be faithful to one another over and over and over and over and over again and work at it rather than searching through the Bible and trying to find where it says this is the one for you. Now, don't get me wrong, there are probably better decisions than, than not good decisions. If he doesn't have a job, if he's a dropkick and if he's just like, you know, just a, a, bit of a, a bit of a douche to his parents and he can't hold his life together and he's on drugs and he's doing all these things. You've got to be finding yourself very careful of, of bonding yourself to those kind of people, right? But find yourself in a place where you're not subscribed to this idea, there is the one out for me. The Bible doesn't talk about that. In fact, what the Bible does talk about is the two become one. And it takes time. Anyone who's been married here for a little bit of time will testify to the fact that it takes time to figure things out a little bit. Sometimes there's friction. 
Sometimes there's challenges. I said this morning that sometimes there's work that's involved to make it all happen. Be careful of subscribing to the thought, there is the one for you. Again, some of you are like, oh, man. <laughs> Another thought, okay, in terms of the singleness. Enjoy this season because unfortunately, those who can't embrace and be content in the current season, they can find themselves very discontent in the next season. <laughs> I've discovered that miserable singles will make miserable married people. <laughs> and uh, you don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> and here's the problem, right? Sometimes we find ourselves, okay, my problem is I'm not yet married. If only I had the solution of being married, A, you're probably more likely to sell yourself short. In the Bible, in the, in, in the New Testament, it talks about the, uh, the Esau syndrome, where you've got your birthright there to look forward to, but you sell yourself short for a bit of stew. That's a really dangerous place to find yourself in. Be careful of the Esau syndrome. You've got the world's promise to you, but you can't be bothered to wait. And you let your fleshly desires take control of the moment in that particular time. That's really dangerous to find yourself in, okay? Now, um, where was I going with this thought? This is really dangerous for me. Just going off tangent sometimes. <laughs> I was like, where am I going with this? Be careful of selling yourself short, okay? Um, <laughs> people on the podcast right now thinking, what's he doing? What's he talking about? Um, again, they're making wrong decisions, okay? They're making poor decisions at the time. This is where you find yourself in a place where you're like, oh, like she's crazy. She's on my back all the time. She just wants to be married. If I just marry her, I'll make her happy. That's wrong thinking. All right, you're going to find yourself in trouble right there. Or he can't touch, he can't keep his hands off me right now. If I just marry him, I'll make him be able to, we can satisfy all those sexual needs going on right now. Again, it's wrong thinking. If we force the timing behind things, you're going to make poor decisions. And uh, even on that sort of thought, I've got to thought that if I'm a sex addict without a ring, I'm likely going to be a sex addict with a ring. So you're like, oh, pastor, what are you talking about right now? There's <laughs> a reason why Ali didn't come tonight because she'd be blushing in the front row. I was like, Dan, can you have to say this kind of thing? For those who don't know, I used to be a PE teacher, so I'm very happy to talk about sex, okay? Sex is, I'm very happy to talk about that all day long. Um, no problems. I actually think I even might have even taught Nick um, about sexual health back in year 10. Um, so, but Nick would have been the kind of guy who would have asked all the dumb questions as well. Like, you know, he'd be like all the embarrassing questions and whatnot. <laughs> well, if I just marry him, then we'll be able to meet all his needs. Can I tell you, we don't, we all have needs. We don't always get to meet our needs the way that we want to meet them. This is where patience and self-control come into play. But it's crazy the kind of things that we tell ourselves when we try and elevate ourselves to be able, that's right, I was talking beforehand, about reaching and finding a solution to a problem. If the problem is I just need to be married to find myself in a place where I find a happiness and, and discover, you know, this, I don't know, this desires and my, my, my dreams come true, what happens is actually we, we, we then actually often deflect the problem onto the person. That the moment that you, and the same thing happens with this, right? With other things as well. If you were to say, I will be happy once I have this house. I'll be happy once I have these kids. I'll be happy when I have you fill in the gaps right now. The moment that you pinpoint a source 
or, or a solution to your problem, what will often happen is that you will then deflect that problem onto that person. And that's actually not a very healthy place for your future spouse or your future person in your world to have to carry the weight of that in their world. If I can just get married, if I can just find the right guy, <laughs> then that'll be the solution to all my problems. It doesn't work that way. All right, all right. We going okay? Yeah. All right, we doing okay? Is everyone like, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here tonight. What am I doing? I could be at home watching Manly lose. Come on now, what's going on? Um, all right. Okay. Got some good news. It's going to get worse for you. <laughs> all right, number two, point two. All right, to be single, according to Scripture, is to be celibate. Okay? And again, for those who don't know too sure what celibate means right now, I'm going to define it for you. It's to abstain from sexual relations. And again, this is where I guess I wanted to spend some time here tonight and just be reminding, hopefully it's a reminder. For some of you guys here, this might be like, oh, Dan, I'm learning about this for the first time right now. I want to encourage us here that the Bible has a way to be able to, for us to be able to live our life that is perfect. It's the blueprint for us how to live our lives. And I believe that as, as, as young people, as mature people, whatever place you find yourself in right now, if we can harness and grasp the truth of this right now, I can tell you this is not just good because it makes God tick a little box saying, oh, yep, they're, they're celibate. It's actually for your benefit. It's for the benefit of those around you as well. The Apostle Paul, he calls singleness in verse 7 and says, he calls it celibacy, okay? Can I tell you, sex is a gift from God. I want to say some simple things that, again, hopefully are already known, but I want to repeat them just for because I think it's important for us tonight. It's beautiful. It's sacred. It's fun. And some of you, again, this is where Ali will be saying, oh, Dan, can you stop saying these descriptive words right now? Um, but sex is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. And marriage is the only place where God's called us to unwrap that gift. Think about creation. Oh, I love God. <laughs> Think about creation. He places man and woman naked in the garden and says, all right, have fun. <laughs> God's plan, God's original blueprint was that sex would be sacred. It'd be between husband and wife. It'd enable intimacy. It'd be more than just a physical act. And what it would do, it would enable things for... Um, like multiplication and obviously to have children and the joys that come from that. But the whole plan the whole time was that sex would be designed within the context, within the picture of marriage. And this is why we don't just get married because we want to have sex, but it is certainly it's important to understand that this is the picture, this is the place where God's designed sex to be able to be, to be found. We need to understand that God is not prohibiting sexuality, but he's protecting it. And again, in a world that will say, just go and do your own thing, fly your own flag, have as much fun as you want to do, take down any kind of boundaries, God's actually protecting this beautiful thing that was always been designed between, between one man and one woman. Let's look at another scripture right now. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 16 to 20. And again, I'm reading from the message version here. It says, there is more to sex than just mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. Some of you young people who have not had sex before think, 
what? Sex is spiritual? What's going on here? I haven't learned this in church beforehand. Um, but it is the spiritual connection as much as physical connection between man and woman. As the scripture, as written in Scripture, the two shall become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, we must not pursue the kind of sex, look at this, that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. Isn't that a word for the world today? Avoids commitment, avoids intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. If there's a way to describe pornography these days, you could write that as a little bit of a definition right now. It's got no commitment. It's got no intimacy with anyone else. And what happens, it leaves you lonely and leaves you in shame more than anything else. The kind of sex that can never become one. Again, God's picture within marriage is that there would be a becoming of the one in this picture. There is a sense which there is a sense in which sexual sins, watch this, are different from all others. You've ever heard the saying, well, sin is sin? Well, it's actually not Bible. In sexual sin, we are vi- we, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that um that were made for God given and God modeled love for becoming one with another. Okay, I need to remind us right now of what I said beforehand. If you feel me condemnation right now, I can just feel I can feel the heaviness of the room in this place right now. Again, be convicted if need be. Okay, it's healthy. I've been here. I've 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 had to be convicted of some of this stuff. All right, and so I want us to be on a place of vulnerability where it's best to be convicted. Convicted, not necessarily live in this place of condemnation. Okay, so sex is sacred, and it's to be celebrated when married, but it's called to be sacred. And unfortunately, we've lost our sacredness in today's world right now. Let me go through some more stats that I found. In fact, this wasn't necessarily this stat. This, I was driving through Carnes Hill. Does anyone live in Carnes Hill by any chance? No? Carnes Hill is about, about 20 minutes away. And I saw a massive big billboard being built up for OnlyFans going up right now. And I think to myself, for those who are not too sure what OnlyFans in, it's basically a, a place where amateurs can, can dive into the space of the porn world. And it is... It's vile. It's, I believe it's demonic. And it is, in many ways, taking the world by someone along with a lot of other porn that's out there these days. But on a billboard in Carnes Hill, 20 minutes away, now I know about this because I actually know there's a few Christian groups that are petitioning saying there's no way we can have this being freely publicised on a main road literally in our community. I remember growing up and I remember, this is, for those who not know, I'm, I'm turning 40 next week, okay? So uh, I'm, I'm reaching a new decade. Um, I'm, there's lack of hair going on, but that's why I wear a hat these days to try and hide that. Um, but I remember growing up, and I remember you couldn't show anything sexualized basically until it was at least 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Um, again, some of you older guys will probably know the fact that there was, there was that time of the, you know, you'd know that the ads changed on TV, yeah? Um, for those who are not too sure what an advertisement is, an advertisement is in between the TV shows. Um, and, you know, that's a... <laughs> um, Ivy actually asked the other day, what's an ad? You know, she watches like Netflix and all that kind of stuff and she's got no idea what that kind of stuff. But there would be a time when that would be only without a shown. What we're seeing today is the, 
the, the, the deconstructing of any kind of that moral high point that used to exist in society. This is the examples of how we're living in very much a post-Christian world now. Anything's sort of going. I'm going to get to that, some thoughts around that in a little bit. But the fact that that can now be considered to be approved, it's scary. Okay? Um, four out of ten, top ten search sites now are porn sites. Average adult will now have five different sexual partners in their life. I remember going to university, and this is 15 years ago, and there used to be like a pride thing going on in regards to how many people they could hook up with every single weekend. Again, it's not just, it's, it's celebrated. People are like getting excited about this kind of stuff. Um, three out of ten, and, and, and Nick's seen some of these statistics too, three out of ten teens report being sexually active with a partner in the last three months. Again, this is some of these um, statistics coming from you version. I was talking about beforehand. Now, what's interesting and what's scaring and alarming, so three out of ten, that's 30%. Now, this one is 33%, slightly higher. Christian teens who are part of a church, it's higher. Christian teens reporting being sexually active with a partner. Um, one in five teens sexually attracted to the opposite sex now. 48% of teens regularly looking at porn. And regularly means that at least one to two times a week. This is scary, okay? 50% of 12 to 25-year-olds now believe gender is something they can define themselves according to feelings and gender attractions, okay? Again, this is not just a little kind of survey. There's not a little kind of bit of research. This is a, a very widespread across um, international borders that's taken place. These stats are here today and they're not going away. The sexual revolution which again, I'm a bit of a history buff. I like to go like say, where, how do we get to where we are right now? The sexual revolution, if I were to very generically and very quickly say that back in the 60s, there was this thing that came out as love is love. And very much like it was liberal, trying to, to, to liberalise a lot more of the, 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 the sexual kind of interactions. And this is where we start to see you know, multiple partners and so forth take place. And so you can be traced back to the 60s and 70s. We've got to ask ourselves the questions right now here in 2023. How did that work out for us? I would beg to ask the question or at least put the point forward that it's actually become incredibly costly to the point where it's rotting our relationships with people right now. And you can go back to, you can go back to Egypt, you can go back to Sodom, you can go back to Rome and you can watch the patterns that take place that as cultures embrace this kind of stuff, as cultures become increasingly sexualized, what happens is they flourish for a period of time, but then the whole thing crashes. The whole thing. And this is not just the first time. This has been happening time and time beforehand. This has happened before. You go read about what's taking place in Egypt. You go read about what's taking place in, in, in Corinth during the summer. You go read about what's taking place in Corinth. Paul's saying to some of the guys there, hey, you've got to stop sleeping with your mother-in-law. It's not working out for you. It's not good. You might be thinking, is that in the Bible, Dan? It's in the Bible. He's saying things like, hey, you've got to stop drinking so much at the communion table right now. It's not working out for you, okay? This stuff is kind of wild that's taken place. But again, I think to myself, we can read about Corinth, but I consider Western Sydney in 2023, and I wonder, are we that much different? I'm not too sure if we're that much different. I'm praying for a purity revolution 
amongst the church. My heart is that, again, whatever your experience might be here tonight, we can all commit to this journey of purity. I believe God's calling the church, His bride, to a place where we understand that this is the way that He's calling us to be able to live. Sexual addiction taking place right now. 23,000 people per second are logging on to some form of pornography. Over 73 73 million aborted children worldwide in 2022. That's 200,000 a day. Nearly 20% of all pregnancies now are ending, this is worldwide stats, are ending in abortions. Marriages are falling apart due to sexual addictions. Infidelity and porn addictions are accounting for significant marital breakdowns. I've got to ask the question, where has this sexual revolution taken us? We have an opportunity now to be able to choose God's way, to understand that there is, we, we, we're not called to flow in the same stream as the rest of the world, but rather take a stand for some of this stuff. And can I tell you, you can do it. You can do it. We're talking about this right now because I believe that God's calling us to a place where we take this ground, we'll retake this ground again. Let's look at Acts 15. Acts 15, um, how are we going for time? All right. Um, Acts 15, it says, um, basically what's happening in the context of this is that the Gentiles uh, are getting saved. And again, there's a lot of great things happening. Um, and all the Corinthians and the Romans, and um, they're getting saved, but things are still quite wild. And so the disciples, they basically have a roundtable conversation where they're saying, hey, what are we going to say to these guys? There's so many things that we could help them with right now, but what are we going to start with? How, we, how do we help our guys who are, have just been saved, who have been living in a certain kind of way, they've been a part of the world, how do we help them? This is what they say. Acts 15, verses 28 to 29, it says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and and, and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. This is important, like, to actually understand within the church, particularly those who are more mature. Sometimes you can see a whole lot of things that need to change within a person. But it's actually important to start somewhere and take stepping stones so that they can actually understand along the way and actually be able to see some, some, some of the transformation within their own character as well. So it says, you're new to Christ, you're, new, you're going to learn the Scriptures, but let's start here, which is the, uh, the voice that's taking place. It says, you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols. So what, just to understand that what you could have done back in those times in the first century, um, you could go down to the marketplace, which had already been, had meat that had been sacrificed to, um, to, to gods or to idols during this time. And they're saying, hey, that meat there, um, stick away from that kind of meat. That's a good place to be able to start. Then it says, hey, um, the blood. Um, okay, Dracula. Um, stick away from the blood. So don't, don't drink any blood. Um, and then from the meat that's been strangled of animals. Now watch this. So basically there's like, Stick away from the sacrificed meat, stick away from the blood, stick away from meat that's been strangled. And then this next one is, what's it say? It says, and from sexual immorality. You'll do well to avoid these things, they say. So the next question, obviously, that would be applicable to the Gentiles, well, what is sexual immorality? And you might have heard Jesus talk about in Matthew where it says, don't lust in your heart, Okay. And hear me now, he was speaking to a Jewish man who had the Old Testament. And because they had the Old Testament in their heart, they would have known the reference that Jesus was speaking to within an instant. 
Jesus wasn't just making up a new idea. He was cross-referencing. He was drawing from the Old Testament and bringing it into what the Jewish men knew at the time. And his definition came from the Scripture. And what he was doing, he was drawing from a Scripture in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 2 to 5. And we're going to read this a little bit right now. He says, Here is what the Lord says to Moses. He says, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must do as you must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and my laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Why am I reading this? I'm reading this because Jesus is not just talking about lusting of the heart. He's referring to this scripture. And if you were to dive through and actually read the, the next 20 or so verses of a little bit of Leviticus 18, again, parents, don't let your eight and nine-year-olds read this next little bit, but it is a fairly gnarly kind of scripture. It goes on and says, hey, don't go and have sex with your mum. Don't go and have sex with your sister. Don't go and have sex with animals. Don't go and have sex with multiple women and orgies and those kind of things. He's basically outlining a, 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 a purity stance where, where this is sexual immorality. Stick clear of it right now. God's gift to us is one man, one woman, in a covenant. This is where sexuality is expressed. All right, I'm going to keep on going. I feel like I've got so much to say here, but <laughs> um, last one is date God's way. Date God's way. And again, I, I'm going to touch on just a few thoughts here, and I think potentially some questions might come from this. Um, this is where it becomes a bit more practical and, and a bit more insight can be given. Dating, the goal of dating is not necessarily just marriage. Dating is also about understanding yourself and what values you're seeking in your marriage. I remember going and doing some work experience and I wanted to become a chef at the time. And I went down to a place called Planet Hollywood um, in the city. And I did a week's worth of work experience. And in that time, I discovered I never, ever want to become a chef. <laughs> and that experience was just as important, just as good as me discovering, hey, I want to become a chef for the rest of my life as well. The same kind of thing in the context of dating. Dating doesn't mean that you have to marry the person. Now, I would always say date with the right intentions... But don't find yourself, just because I'm dating means I'm locked in for life. In that time, you will discover some things about yourself. You'll discover some things about the other person. You'll discover values, characteristics. You'll discover things like, she's crazy. And I never want to marry someone like her again. Okay? Some of you are laughing too much at that. <laughs> it's like, breach, Dan. Um, so dating is not necessarily just to be able to find yourself getting married one day. When you date someone, again, you discover the things that you love and also the things that you're also going to find pretty difficult as well. Best way to date is by getting around great people, great friendship groups, and you'll find great chemistry with someone. Build great friendships in right atmospheres. Environments, environments matter. <laughs> it's highly likely you're not going to be at the club and bumping and grinding away. It's like, oh, you love Jesus too. <laughs> it's highly unlikely that's going to be the case. And don't start this line of like, I'll flirt to convert and I'll win them over and I'll be able to. You're probably not going to find yourself getting all that many success rates in that, in that regards. 
Environment matters. It's why I encourage young adults, find yourself in church. Young adults, find yourself in, in places where you are around like-minded, Holy Spirit-filled, God-fearing servants of the Lord. You, you, want a, you want a marriage one day that's centered around You've got to find yourself in the right atmospheres. The atmosphere matters. All right. Build great friendships. Get advice. If you have a connection, again, get, a, get, get advice of people you trust. I remember dating. This is a little bit of a, a story here. Um, and this is, in some ways, way not to date. <laughs> um, when I was 19, I left school, um, 18, uh, went to school, and I decided to go and do a, min- a ministry trip, a missions trip. Um, some of you guys know I went to, to Kenya for the best part of nine months. And um, what I haven't shared a part of that story often is the fact that there was a girl that went with me. And um, it was all above board, don't worry. It wasn't necessarily that was she a part of the package, you know, in my suitcase and all that. No, no. It was, she was a part of the program I was doing as well, all right? Um, everyone knew about it. But because of proximity, I started developing feelings for her. She was the only other Aussie that was over there with me. And we started working in the same orphanage and we started working in the same slum and we started just every day was kind of like we're just doing the same kind of thing. And what seemingly was a good thing, you know, we're, we're both over there doing the Lord's work, right? What, what could go wrong? That's, that's the perfect match. Um, we're both, you know, sort of in the same space. We love working with kids and all that kind of thing. There's a lot of good things that took place. But what took place was that because of proximity, because of, um, you know, she was available at the time, I started to find myself developing these feelings for her. And what took place is that I quickly then discovered that she actually had a whole heap of um, challenging mental health stuff that was going on. And what I found myself to be, I found myself to be the hero in that particular moment. And I kind of liked being the hero. I kind of liked being the the saviour and the Ben that can sort of pick her up and help her out and so forth. But I realised that what took place is that instead of someone who wanted me, she needed me. You want to be careful of the whole need and want thing when, you, when, you, when you're dating. And what happens is that it becomes a bit of an unhealthy kind of toxic crutch that feels good, looks good, can work for a little period of time. But what took place was that she started thinking, I'm going to marry this dude. And before we knew it, nine months later, we're talking marriage and I'm like, holy smokes, like what am I going to do right now? I don't know how to get myself out of this. And, and my mum the whole time is saying, she's not the one for you. She's not the one for you. And I'm like, mum, what do you even know? <laughs> but I found myself in a place where I was becoming bonded to her in unhealthy. Now, we didn't have sex. We didn't have any kind of like troubles in that space. But emotionally, because of that proximity, we kind of went all in. And again, we're having language and talk about, you know, being married and all that kind of thing. It was completely unhealthy. Again, Ali won't mind me saying this, but we started to talk about marriage. And I was probably a bit, I was probably a bit like scared off from my original, original relationship with, with Debbie. Um, probably Debbie Dan, she was. Um, but, you know, she was, you know, I, 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 had some, I had some troubles with her, right? Um, working with you guys, working with me. Um, if your name's Debbie here, sorry about that, guys. Um, um, but... Ali started talking about marriage, just thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm now 24, 25, and, you know, I'm wanting to get married one day. And so we, and I just sort of say, Al, like, a healthy boundary for us right now would be, let's date, let's enjoy the dating, 
let's embrace that and let's talk about marriage when we're engaged. And so what we started to do is start putting in more healthy boundaries. So we literally did not talk about, I actually wanted her to know, not even know when I'm going to propose to her. Now, I wasn't a jerk. I sort of, I, I proposed to my wife within eight months of knowing her, okay? So I didn't take my time. Um, I was sort of, you know, you, you like it, you put a ring on it, let's go. Um, and we made a decision that way, right? But I didn't want us to be in this place where she plans out her own engagement party. We've got to be careful and make sure we put in sort of boundaries that are, are nice and so. I've written down four things that I believe, particularly the initial dates. Now, I use the word initial dates because what I see the trap is that we go all in too early. And that's not just physically. That's emotionally. And boundaries are your best friend when it comes to this sort of stuff. Some of you young, young guys are saying, Dan, can you not share too much with my parents in the room right now? But, okay, first few things I think should happen is that your date should be short. You don't want a three or four hour date, particularly by yourself. I'd even say in terms of that, make it social. So short, make it social, keep it pretty shallow. If you're dropping $400 on a five-star restaurant with someone on the first date, I'm telling you, you've got some problems going on right there. You want to be finding a sushi joint. You, know, you want to find a ribs joint where it gets all messy and it gets a muck all over your face. And you want to find, actually, you want to find a chicken wings. You can find a lot about someone the way they eat a chicken wing, okay? <laughs> Keep it shallow. Keep it simple. Keep it nice and easy. Keep it casual. You're going to discover a lot about someone in that context rather than diving in and financially, physically. Another thing, I didn't kiss my wife for six months. Okay? All right? Some of you are thinking, six months? Some of you are thinking, how did she keep your hands off me for six months? I know what you're thinking right now, okay? Yes. This is, this, is, this is the truth, actually. It was New Year's Eve. It was the Wollongong fireworks. And psh, I thought, now's my moment, dear. Now's my moment. And we kissed for the first time after six months. Okay? Now, what am I saying? Am I saying, I'm not saying that you have to not kiss. All right? I, I can see some Christian dating sites, and sites, some Christian dating um, uh, advice books and so forth. You know, don't even hold hands. I'm, I don't necessarily subscribe to that kind of thinking. Okay. Now, again, this is where parents, make sure you are the parents. Um, this is Pastor Dan's thoughts, but not necessarily. You are ultimately responsible for your children in this regard. However, I, I, we, we took things slowly. Okay. Cool your jets. All right. You're going to find yourself in a place. <laughs> get a few giggles back there a little bit. Um, it's, it's important. He's up turbo. <laughs> you know, just like take your time. If it's going to work out, it's going to work out. Okay. First few dates should be chill, should be fun. Again, go get your, your simple kind of setups. Don't unload load your whole life. Because here, here's the problem. When you unload your whole life, again, physically or emotionally, you've got nowhere to go to from there. Okay? You should be seeing your relationship in levels. All right? These guys are about to get married. Their levels should be different to when they first met. The problem is people who go and have a one-night Sling, uh, sling. <laughs> one night fleeing, they give their whole life to the individual. They've got nowhere to go from there. They're kind of like, well, I guess we're going to have to get married now or 
Now they've given themselves over in an unhealthy way. Keep dating light, keep it fun, keep it social. Um, make sure there's chemistry. That's not just physical. You'll need that, by the way. <laughs> um, sex is great. It's amazing. However, the older you get, you're going to know that marriage is more than just sex. Okay? And if your whole relationship is built on a physical attraction, which is important, but if that's the only thing, it's like having a one pillar in a building that when that starts to get crumbly, the whole thing comes down. Make sure there's more than just the physical. Build the important things first, your values. Do they follow the Lord? Are they jerks to their parents? Do they have a life that's going somewhere? Are they pre-committed to being a disciple of Jesus? Do they love the Lord? Do they serve? Are they narcissistic? Like, Ask the question around the values. Understand those things first before you start diving in, committing yourself into other areas. All right. <laughs> let's see, let's see where we're going to go from here. I think what I might do is, I just want to find a, finish with this sort of download, knowing that there's probably going to be some other nights we'd speak into other areas. So I know I haven't covered heaps tonight, but especially in this area of singleness and dating and so forth, like, which again, we have a few more questions. I was remind us all that there is a grace for us, okay? Every single person, I want to try and eyeball this all here today, God loves you. With all your heart, with all his hearts, there's a grace for you. The Holy Spirit is for you. He wants to be able to see the best for you. He wants to be able to be our helper and our counsellor. And the grace that I know I've needed over my years is the very same grace that is afforded to every single one of us here today. Um, sexual purity is attainable. It is attainable. It can be hard especially when you're in the waiting zone. It can be difficult, but it is attainable. The Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, keep running to God. There's hope for you. And whether you're single for the next six months or the next 10 years, this season is a gift to us. And I want to encourage us, honour what God is doing in your world, and He'll honour you. hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.